When You Pray is our series, and we've seen already in this series that Jesus says, when you pray, he says, don't pray like the hypocrites or the Gentiles, as Sean shared with us a couple weeks ago. Jesus was calling us there to check our motives and to prioritize a conversation with God. Prayer is not about us finding the right incantation or formula with our words to unlock the blessings that we want. It is a conversation with a God who created us to live in his presence, in relationship with him. And so we can and should pray with other people as we have this morning. But Jesus cautions us against praying to other people or praying for other people in terms of performing for them. And then last week, Micah began to walk us through the Lord's Prayer as we know it, unpacking what it means for us to pray our Father in heaven, Jesus teaching us to pray to God as a good and loving Father as well as a holy and righteous King. This God that we are praying to to is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. So we pray for his name to be hallowed, to be made holy among all the earth for his will to be done. But he also invites us in with the love and the tenderness of a father. The mystery of prayer rolls up all of those realities into one encounter. And so what an opportunity we have in prayer. And yet, yet how often do we forego that opportunity or skip past it? I'll add my confession this morning that prayer is not somewhere that I naturally excel in my walk with the Lord. And when I ask why that is, it can be easy to look at my calendar and blame my weakness in prayer on my busyness because we are busy people. Amen? But I also believe that John Piper is right when he says one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. So then why do so many of us confess a struggle with prayer. I don't think that blaming our busyness necessarily has us on the wrong path. I just think that we haven't gone far enough down that path. Because if we keep going, we'll find something else lies beyond those symptoms like prayerlessness and busyness. We'll get to our hearts. And this is where the line we're looking at today in the Lord's Prayer can help us see our hearts more clearly, I think. Today, we're going to look at the line, give us this day our daily bread. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you hear that line. Just as we hear the word bread, I'm guessing it's very different probably from what Jesus' audience in the first century would have thought of when they thought about bread. Because his prayer here we know isn't just about bread, it's about the ways that God provides for all of our physical needs. But as I said, I think it can help us see why we struggle with this this morning just to think about bread. Because when we hear bread, maybe a few of you think, you know, I like to get all the ingredients together and bake some bread. Maybe that's something that you enjoy, something that you are good at. But most of us maybe probably picture the bakery at the grocery store or the bread aisle at the grocery store where the variety is rivaled only by the cereal aisle. It is just endless, endless options of different kinds of bread. The choices are endless and none of them require us starting at the point of growing or buying grain and then tracking down enough bread on a daily basis because you can buy a loaf of bread and somehow it lasts for weeks and weeks and weeks. But those sitting before Jesus as a Sermon on the Mount most certainly wouldn't have imagined the modern bread aisle. They were by necessity closer to and more acutely aware of the processes that brought their daily nourishment to their tables. I think another picture we might also have come 
to their minds when they heard Jesus tell them to pray, give us this day our daily bread, might have been what we read in Exodus chapter 16, what God did for his people beginning there. Remember, he set them free from slavery in Egypt. He led them out across the Red Sea into the wilderness, but then they started grumbling and complaining. They told Moses and Aaron, we would have been better off dying in Egypt than starving to death out here in the wilderness. But then God told Moses to tell the people what he was going to do for them. Every morning, God would provide bread from heaven for his people, enough every day for them to eat that day, except for the sixth day when they would gather enough for the seventh day as well. And so God provided for his people their daily bread year after year, just as he had promised. Jesus is teaching us to pray not just for bread, not just for food, but that God would provide for our physical needs on a daily basis, that we would be daily dependent upon him. And in so doing, he shows us something about our hearts and some of the ways we struggle. And so two things about this prayer this morning. First, give us this day our daily bread is a prayer of dependence upon a faithful God. Just the direction of prayer shows us that to some extent, Jesus tells us to pray to our Father in heaven that he would give us what we need for this day. The way of Jesus is one of radical dependence. That's what he calls us to, to depend upon God, to rely upon him. But in this fallen world in which we live, that isn't the natural inclination of our hearts. Chances are that since we're here this morning, gathered in this place, or if you're watching online, you would agree that Jesus teaches here that we need to depend upon God. We would all agree that we should ask God for what we need, that God is the one who provides for our very existence, for life, for breath, for everything that is required to sustain us. He's the one that has brought us to this day. But knowing that in our minds can be very different from walking moment by moment and day by day and breath by breath in that reality. Because from the beginning, God has given us as humanity, he's given us the dignity of meaningful work. He's given us the opportunity invited us in to join what he is doing, to do the work that helps to provide for us and to provide for those around us. That was the story in the Garden of Eden. It's the story of much of the Old Testament law, but that's never separated biblically. Our work is never separated from the fact that God is the source and the sustainer of our lives. The Bible and our own memories are full of people who have failed to provide what they promised to do for us. I think that might be why the only prayer in the entire book of Proverbs goes like this. In Proverbs chapter 30, prayer says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God believe this prayer that we see there in Proverbs is really an expansion of the themes we see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. And here the prayer is for two things in Proverbs. First one is, remove from me falsehood and lying. And the second is, give me neither poverty nor riches. They maybe don't seem to be connected, but I say that they're an expansion of Matthew 6, 11 because Proverbs makes explicit here, I think, what Jesus is implying that there is a correlation between dependability and dependence. The first request in Proverbs focuses on steering clear of those who cannot be trusted, of avoiding those who 
lie, those who would cheat and steal, uh, avoiding that trap for ourselves, that pull and temptation in our own lives. That's the first request there in Proverbs. And the second is a cry of dependence upon the only one that we can fully trust, the only one who never lies, the only one who is always truthful, who is always exactly as he claims to be, the only one who is always dependable. And so give us this day our daily bread. Give us is a recognition that we need something that God provides. It's a request that recognizes our inability to earn what we are requesting. Jesus didn't say to pray, God, I've worked hard. I deserve this and I deserve that and I deserve this. Right, not that we would ever say that, right? But Jesus said to pray from this position of total and complete dependence upon the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a prayer that expresses our need and acknowledges that God is the one who's able to provide. It's a prayer that is built upon the solid foundation of God's faithfulness, as we sang about earlier. This morning, I wonder, has anyone ever promised to pay you back? Or they promised to do something for you, and then you found out you couldn't depend on them? There are people in this life that you think are going to come through for you. They've made a promise. They've said they would do it, but then they don't show up or they don't come through. And it might not even be because they don't want to or because they didn't try, because we all know that we've also been that person who had good intentions, but then weren't able to follow through and to deliver the results that we had hoped to. But there is no space this morning between what God says he will do for us and what he does for us. There's no space between what God tries to do and what he does. We can count on him. And so when he told the children of Israel that he would send down bread from heaven for them to collect every morning, he told them not to gather more than they needed for a single day because if they did, there would, because he said there'll be more the next day and there'll be more the day after that. So don't gather more than you need. And then what did he do, right? He just kept sending bread every day, six days a week for years and years and years. But on the seventh day, he said there would be no bread because it was to be a day of rest. So the people were supposed to gather enough bread for two days on the sixth day. So it was a Pretty simple formula God gave them how he was going to provide for them. Days one through five, gather what you need today. Day six, gather two days worth. Day seven, rest. Those were God's instructions. Those were his promises to provide. God says, this is what I'm going to do so that you will know that I am the Lord, your God, that provides for his people. And he did. They woke up and walked out and there was bread, plenty of it. For that day, so Moses told them then, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. Why? Because God is going to provide more bread tomorrow. And so they could depend on God. We can depend on God, right? But what did they do? It says some of them tried to save the bread for the next day, and it bred worms and it stank. Their struggle is our struggle. Give us this day our daily bread is a prayer of dependence on a faithful God. But the children of Israel said, We know what God said, and we've seen what God's done, but what if there's no bread tomorrow? We'll depend on you, God, but we're also going to hedge our bets. We're also going to depend upon ourselves. We'll depend upon you, God, but nobody will know if we hold on to a little bit of extra bread here in our tents. We'll depend upon you, God. Maybe we say, but we'll also cheat on our taxes a little bit. God invites us into a relationship of total dependence upon him. 
And he has proven that he's worthy of that level of trust. He's proven it. The question is, will we depend upon a faithful God or will we depend upon ourselves? He proves himself worthy. He's proven it time and time again. I, I fall short, but he never does. He always keeps his word. I can't always keep my word. But we're just like the Israelites, aren't we? For six straight days, they woke up to the bread God had promised them. And so day six, they gathered enough for two days in preparation for the Sabbath as Moses instructed them. But then on the seventh day, then they all slept in and rested because that's what God told them to do, right? No. Some of them still got up and went out to gather bread, but they found none. Who were they trusting? Who were they depending on to provide for their needs? Bread points us to food, but this prayer goes beyond just what we eat. It points us to God's provision for all of our physical needs. Clean air to breathe, clean water to drink, the reproduction of our cells that allows our organs to keep on functioning year after year after year, the resources to clothe ourselves, to find shelter from the elements, the medical advancements that save lives every single day. God has provided for us what we need. Our very existence in this moment is proof that he's faithful. We may not have always had everything we wanted, but we've always had him. He's always kept his word. He's always been there for us. And that's enough for us to pray with complete dependence upon a faithful God today. Give us this day our daily bread. That should be our prayer today. should be our prayer tomorrow and the day after that because we have never and we will never outgrow our dependence upon the Lord. In fact, the growth of our faith is just the opposite of that. It is the deepening of our dependence upon a faithful God. So give us this day our daily bread. It's a prayer of dependence upon a faithful God. Second, it is a prayer of contentment with his provision. It's a prayer, yes, that flows from a heart, that recognizes our need for God to provide for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. But it also flows from a heart that is satisfied in him and what he provides. Note that Jesus doesn't tell us to pray for all the bread that we'll ever need for the rest of our lives. He says, pray today for what you need today. Now, as a planner, I'm not great at that. I want to know where it's going to come from tomorrow and the day after that. I don't think Jesus here, though, is telling us that it's necessarily wrong to have a plan, but I think he's encouraging us to walk the path of contentment rather than falling into the ditches on either side of that path. It's really the same thing we see in the prayer in Proverbs 30. As verse 9 of that says, I pray for neither poverty nor riches, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. That is not an American prayer, is it? We pray for more and more and more. But we know what he says there in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9. We know those ditches on either side of contentment well. We're surrounded by excess, by more than we need, more than we could even want. We've heard it probably. Who is the Lord? Right? I'm the one who did this. I earned this. I built this. I deserve this. In our prosperity, our sinful hearts will pull us away from dependence upon the Lord and toward self-reliance. But interestingly enough, the ditch on the other side of the path of contentment reveals the same pull in our hearts. 
when we are impoverished and desperate in a place of hopelessness, our sinful hearts will pull us away from dependence on the Lord and trusting his way and toward self-reliance as well. If no one else is gonna help me, then I'll help myself, whatever it takes by any means necessary, even if it brings reproach upon the name of my God. I'll steal if I have to. See, having more than we need doesn't necessarily mean that we will stop depending on the Lord with contentment, and neither does being impoverished mean that we won't depend upon the Lord with contentment. And having just the right amount doesn't necessarily mean that we will be perfectly content in our lives. The point here isn't so much about how much we have, because contentment isn't driven by our circumstances. Contentment is driven by our hearts. So Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians 4, beginning of verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This man was in jail writing these words, in whatever situation, he said, I can be content. And so what's the secret to his contentment? It was that he was dependent upon the Lord to see him through all of it. When things were good, when there was more than enough, when the pull of pride was strong in his life, he relied on the Lord's strength. And when things were bad, when he was in need, when the pull of pride was strong, he relied on the Lord's strength. If your contentment is dependent upon how much you have, then you can be just as discontent with any amount, a lot or a little. Enough will never be enough because the things God provides for us were never intended to be our security. They were never intended to be our hope. It's God who provides our security. It's God who is our security. And so give us this day our daily bread, we pray. God is enough. He's trustworthy and true. He provides for his children. And so our right response is to depend upon him and to be content with what he provides. Like Proverbs, Paul also connects truth to contentment. He writes about how false teaching flows from a lack of contentment. It's when people are greedy for more that they fall into false teaching. And then he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Paul says here, that we will be content with food and with clothing. He's saying our daily bread, what we need, that is enough. Because contentment doesn't require the latest fashions or the newest streaming service or the finest home or the coolest car or the biggest portfolio. If we're looking to those things for our security, then we are in danger of falling into temptation, of trusting ourselves and our stuff instead of trusting the Lord. And ultimately, that can pull us away from the faith completely, Paul warns. And so what's the solution here? How do we avoid these ditches of discontent? 1 Timothy 6, 17 and following 
tells us, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. If we're depending on our stuff, then we will be driven by our greed. We never will have enough, no matter how much we have. We'll hold tightly to what we have and we'll view one another as a threat to what we have, as a threat to our security. In the end, we'll find that what we've set our hope on is an uncertain foundation. But when we're depending on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, we are then free not to be greedy, but to be generous to hold what he has given us loosely and to be ready to share it with others so that others might know what we have found, that Christ is enough. You see, contentment drives our generosity, which points us back to the plural pronouns that we find in the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't say, give me this day my daily bread, does it? It says, give us this day our daily bread. He always provides what we need, even if what we need is to discover that what we wanted wasn't actually what we needed. And when we have more than we need, when we have more than we need, it isn't so that we can be haughty and so that we can be proud. It's so that we can be a reflection of his generosity to those around us, right? If we pray, give us this day our daily bread, then we can't assume that what God has given to us as an answer to that prayer is just for me to hoard, to keep for myself. Because I didn't pray, give me, right? I prayed, give us. And God's generosity toward us is meant to shape our generosity to others. Give us this day our daily bread is a prayer of dependence upon a faithful God and contentment with his provision. This morning is at the heart of our prayers. Do we bring our needs to God or do we just try to figure it out ourselves? Is prayer kind of our our last resort after we've tried everything else? Does thinking about your resources or lack thereof fill you with anxiety or with gratitude? Or to come at it from a different direction this morning, maybe let's think about how we use what God has given us. How do you treat your time and your talent, your resources, your position of privilege where you have it? Do you cling tightly to what is yours, my time, my money, my rights, or do you generously share what God has so generously shared with you? As we've had needs come up in recent months here in the church, you all have shown yourselves to be a church that is extremely generous with your your money, and I thank God for that. That's a long-standing reputation of this body. To God be the glory for that. But this morning, I'd encourage each of us to take a moment to ask ourselves, those questions individually, to look at our lives, your transaction history, your calendar, your words. What story do they tell? Do they tell a story of generosity, contentment, and dependence upon God, or a story of greed, discontent, and self-reliance? Give us this day our daily bread as a prayer of dependence upon a faithful God and contentment with his provision. And Jesus says it should be our prayer. So let's be a church that prays like this, a people who don't take life for granted, who don't presume upon the generosity of God, even for the life that we have 
this day, in this moment. Let's be a people who ask for what we need and are grateful for what God provides and a people who reflect the generosity of our God to others. James tells us that every good thing we have is a gift from God. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. The life death and resurrection of Jesus is the story that shapes our story. And it's a story of God's generosity, his provision for us. Though we had sinned and fallen short against God's glory and we were deserving of death, God sent his son, Jesus. The son of God took on human flesh, lived a sinless life. He died an agonizing death on a cross for our sins, paying our penalty that we deserve to pay. And he was raised on the third day to bring us victory over death and over sin so that we can have life. We can live with him eternally. He became poor so that we might become rich. Not according to the standards of this world, but rich towards God, a father who always provides for his children. So this morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, then I hope that today you will make that decision to receive the riches of what it means to be a part of God's family and place your faith in him. You can come and talk to me about that in a moment as we have our invitation or after the service. But if you're already a member of God's family today, then let's pray as he invites us to this day and the days ahead. Give us this day our daily bread. Whatever our need, God is able and Christ is enough. Will you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, You are the one who provides for our every need. God, you are the one who is the giver of life and breath, the sustainer of all things, the one in whom all things holds together, hold together. God, you are the one who has provided for us a way out of sin, a rescue from the death that sin brings in our life and in this world, God. We thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus, who though he was rich became poor so that we could know the riches of your grace and your love toward us. And so we pray that you would help us today to reflect Christ's dependence upon you, Father, that you would help us today to to reflect his submission to your will, that you would help us today to, to follow his example and pray as he taught us. We pray today that you would help us to respond in faith to his invitation. God, if there's one who's never placed his or her faith in you today, I pray that they would receive the new life, the eternal life, the salvation that Christ offers and that we would be able to walk together as a church family, that we would walk together in the days ahead in unity, God, looking to you to provide for our every need, knowing that you have provided, God, seeing as the early church did opportunities to, to share generously with one another or as a reflection of your generosity toward us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name this morning and for his glory. Amen.